Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two sharp chefs and a microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Lily Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we want to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Hey, Louie. Hello, what's up? So we're going to be talking about cooking with fire today. Fire, fire, fire. We, we like fire and knives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, we're going to talk pandemic provisions. Pandemic provisions. Last time we were sort of unhealthy. I mean, not terribly unhealthy. It had some cheese in it. But this time, we're going kind of really healthy. For me, balance is key. See, we. And because I'm a terrible Asian, I'm a banana, if you mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what language this is in, but you're pretty bad too, because you don't know what language either. I uh, feel I'm a, like you're it's banana. Korean. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's Korean. It's definitely not Chinese, but I don't know. I really don't. I, yeah. It's everything is in characters. So I, you know, I know that seaweed by looking at it and smelling it and tasting it, but there's no other thing on here. Are you sure that's not sheets of nori? <laughs> Does it I, say in the uh, little thing? I mean, I've price. eaten these and it's not like, uh, it doesn't have the same texture as nori. It's like crunchier, if that oh. makes sense. It's not as sticky as like a nori would be to wrap sushi. Um, I love these. I can sit on the couch like this packet's way too small for me. I can eat right. like three of these in one sitting. Um, okay. I think it's the whole salt thing. Like I really crave salt more than I do sugar a lot of the time. Um, fun fact about seaweed: it is actually good for your blood sugar levels, and that was what I had read a long time ago. And I have diabetes, recently diagnosed, and so I've been trying to figure out ways to control my blood sugar levels. And and this is one way of doing it. It also keeps you regular, if you know what I mean. What? That, yes. Oh, regular. <laughs> regular. I, I, yeah, I see. Um, <laughs> so wait, what you got? I have somewhat healthy stuff. I have this <laughs> And it's super corny as well. I love that. Yes, yes. please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, those are really addictive too. Uh-huh. Um, salty. I love it because like, you know, as a child, I think every child had this like really love-hate relationship with peas. Slash or more like in hate. Yeah, yeah, slash vegetables in general. And um, it's a great way to actually incorporate uh, vegetables into your pandemic diet because, well, <laughs> you know, those who don't yeah. really have a lot of like access to like uh, fresh, fresh produce right now. Yes, and and if you can get it, Louie and I will both say go to Desert Bloom Eco Farm and get a CSA if you can. They're yes, the, they're sold out of the six month ones, but they're they she has eggs on there still, and uh-huh. hopefully you know she has these like smaller kind of ones that you can mm-hmm. order. But um, if you want real vegetables and you really do want something that's crazy healthy, uh, go with Desert Bloom Eco Farm and Claudia Andraki. Uh, yes. So speaking of freaking awesome people, we're about to have Chef Justin Kingsley Hall. 
All right, we are joined today by Chef Justin Kingsley Hall of the soon-to-be couple months, a year from now, I don't know, God, Main Street Productions coming up. <laughs> of course, we know him from the kitchen at Atomic Downtown. He's a very cool downtown boy. He's also a slow town boy, which is cool as well. How do you pronounce San Luis Obispo? Do you say Louis? Do you say Luis? Do you say Luis? Louis, San Luis Obispo. Nice. Typically, you know, people are from out of town or something, they say Louis. Right. Me? Like Louis Victor. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Main Street Provisions, last time that I talked to you in person, mono e mono, you told me that it was going to be open about now. Then I'd heard the summer, and now I'm hearing the winter. So, what's your timeline looking at? timeline, man. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, right now, uh, I think timelines are pretty irrelevant on our side of things. Um, yeah. It's all wishing and hoping right now. Um, you know, we look at, you know, if things start opening up soon and what those phases look like. Um, but, and then even from that, what's, what's the reality? So if they start opening restaurants soon, what's the capacity they can open at? Um, mm -hmm. And how does that work for a restaurant just opening? Uh, my biggest thing was, and talking about it with my boss and owner, Kim Owens, was that you're about to have not just like our typical Vegas, like two, three restaurant grand opening in one weekend, but you're having like a worldwide grand opening of restaurants soon. Right. Um, so it doesn't easily fare for a restaurant that has not been around open, yeah. yeah, opening, building memories for people yet. So. Yeah. To me, you know, I understand, and, and everybody talking to me, they're like, Justin, you know, people are, you know, love you guys, the community loves you, we're going to support it. I was like, yeah, but right now, we're trying to support each other, but in reality, we really need to support ourselves right. um, for reopening. So, to me, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to, to open, you know, as soon as we can, um, only because, you know, people are going to go to their old favorites to support them. Uh, which is understandable. Those people have inventory and, and, you know, staff and everybody that they're trying to, you know, keep going. Um, so we'll kind of see where the phases go. Um, but from there, you know, I, I'd hate to kind of give a date, you know, <laughs> I gave so many. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it now. <laughs> we joked um, about, you know, we have a, you know, we're like, Oh, you know, coming, you know, summer and coming fall, we have this, stack of cards that say uh you know it's a nice little info card that says coming fall you know 2019 <laughs> <laughs> just cross the 19 out in 2020 <laughs> get some other stickers or post-its to put over that right so justin we are obviously all facing shit and you were just talking about some of it um, but we feel like that there's like an extra amount of like kicking the balls from like actually trying to open a restaurant also during this. Um, when you kind of had realized what was actually happening, like what kind of mental and emotional process did you go through when you were like, are you freaking serious? Like now we're going to face this as well. Cause there's a lot of challenges in just opening a restaurant without all this bullshit. You know, it's, um, in first thinking of it, uh, surprisingly I was, happy um, you know you would think you know over this past year of trying to get started and the ups and downs and delays and construction and permits and everything that goes into opening a restaurant um but we were lucky you know 
we don't have a staff of 10, 20, 30, or a few hundred that we have to lay off. Right. We don't have thousands, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in inventory that we have to figure out how to freeze, preserve, you know, give away or, or waste. So there's, you know, there's a lot of benefits in that. Um, yeah. It hurts that, you know, we weren't able to get going and it's hard because, you know, I got a lot of phone calls from people in the beginning being like, you know, so what are you, what are you doing? You know, you're usually part of something of trying to help out or support. And I was like, I really don't have an avenue. I don't have a kitchen I can use. I don't have staff. I don't have, you know, product. Um, so it was, it was weirdly being lost and, you know, how do we do anything? Uh, or do we just, is it one of those times where the best thing we can do is stand by? Um, to also being happy that, you know, our staff of a AGM, a sous chef, myself, and an owner are the only people that have to, you know, suffer through this. Yeah. Um, in reading your Instagram page, you describe the restaurant as comfort food for the modern soul. What does that mean to you? Um, I think it's a lot of times when we talk about like comfort food, you know, as we came out of the recession and we saw a lot of people going back to comfort food, it was all, you know, it was the great staples of mac and cheese and the better made mashed potatoes and meatloaf. Um, but our country and what we eat has come a long way over the, you know, the decades. And now we have neighborhoods that are pretty prevalent with, you know, African food, Ethiopian, Indian, Japanese. So, um, when you start thinking about comfort food, like for me, like comfort food is pho. Uh, comfort food is, you know, French onion soup. It's, um, you know, tri-tip that my mom makes. So it's, you know, it's not these old ideas. Um, right. About taking some of those ideas and influencing new spices to them or, you know, crossing different techniques. Um, so that's kind of the idea is that, allows us to open up you know whenever people ask about the cuisine you know i i say it's you know modern american because the beauty is is that allows me to do really whatever the hell i want yeah because tell me a part of america where you know fucking something isn't being cooked <laughs> yeah exactly um sourcing is a big deal for you which honestly it should be for all chefs but it isn't uh how do you go get the good stuff out there is it talking to people, networking? Like, how do you get your hands on it? Um, it's a combination of everything. You know, it, it's much easier to find, you know, crap, right? It's like you can go and you can find the mass-produced um, chickens and, you know, beef. You can find the flavorless vegetables that are, you know, being inundated with um, pesticides and, uh, GMOs and everything. Um, and that's not to necessarily to damn all of that. You know, I, I understand the need for certain things. Um, but we've just, we've put it in everything. We've decided that everything has to go by this process. Um, so all that stuff's like right in front of us. So it takes time of conversing with chefs where they're getting things. Um, and when you meet those people, those farmers, you know, who are their friends, who are they talking to? Uh, so it's like this big network um, and slowly but surely you, you find somebody that's like, Oh, well, you know, yeah, I raised cattle, but I know somebody that, you know, farms tomatoes and I know somebody that does this. So it's, you know, it's this trickle down effect and it does, it does, you know, it takes, it takes more time and effort on your part. It takes more logistics and timing. Um, there's some pig, uh, 
pigs out of Oregon that I've had recently from Pachamama Farms. Um, and I, I love it. It's incredible meat, but it's this thing of like, he has a kill schedule. Uh, so you need to make sure that your timing on it's right and what you need. Um, otherwise you kind of miss out and you have to wait a few weeks till the next kill date. Wow. You know, so it, it's time and logistics and organization like that, that makes it a harder process. And I understand why a lot of chefs, uh, shy away from it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's effort that we need to take. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about R&D for Main Street Provisions because obviously your mm-hmm. R&D process has been very long at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I am and now we went... on menu number five. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know that the menu is obviously like metamorphosizing or whatever. Right. But we want some like real like insider kind of details because, you know, you're talking to two chefs here. You're not talking to some bullshit reporter somewhere. We want some chef to chef shit. Like what are we going to see? Like, okay, if you, even if you can see like one dish, like for sure, that's going to be on that menu. Like something you know that you have to have. You've got to know one by now at least. Right. Uh, I know several. Um, okay. One of, one of the ones sure. that like, no matter, uh, no matter the time of the year when I was writing these menus uh, that is stuck there is actually a, it's a salad. Um, mm. which, I was not expecting this to be your answer. Right. <laughs> also, you know, oddly <laughs> enough, uh, growing up as a kid, I, I took some staunch, like, you know, ass whoopings for not eating vegetables. I spent, you know, some hours <laughs> sitting at a table, staring at a plate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's so funny that at one point when I opened up my pop-up slow boy, you know, that I started getting known for vegetable work and vegetarians and vegans were showing up and I laughed about it to my mom. I was like, did you really expect this from your child? Right. Was <laughs> he like, was so proud. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, every, and everybody sees the whole animal cooking and all that, but uh, yeah. I take as much time and effort as I take with animals and caring about their source and how they're treated. Um, it's the same with vegetables. You know, it, it's a, it's a living, um, ingredient that we work with so this salad um it's called uh for ernie's birds uh Mm. ernie is my grandfather Um, okay he was like a a jack of all trades this guy uh he would cook you know some but he was in his woodworking shop he was in the garden um he had a big aviary in his backyard where he raised finches and cockatiels um so I would remember very vividly as a kid, he would wake up around five something in the morning. He always went running in the morning. Um, and then you would find him in the kitchen. You could hear, you know, the sound of a fork and a mixing bowl and glass. Um, and he would be mixing up in a bowl, some pieces of torn lettuce, um, seeds, olives, uh, hard boiled egg. Uh, and he'd be making this big, you know, this big flurry of ingredients that were kind of left in the fridge um, to go out and feed his birds. And it it was such a, I don't know, as a kid, even, I I don't, you know, I don't didn't understand the care, but it just felt like a very important moment. Um, And my my grandfather died when I was young. I think it was in sixth grade at the time. Um, But this from, you know, what is it, you know, we're, you know, talking a memory that was 30, 30 yeah. years ago, um, still is very vivid of like his shirt, his work pants, the sound of those bowls, what he was doing. Um, so it was that kind of memory and thinking of that bowl, that kind of like chopped saladness that he would make uh, in creating this salad. So it's using greens from Desert Bloom, 
Uh, I just posted a picture actually. It's a, it's a mix of arugula. You know, she has a really nice peppery arugula, which I love. Yes. Yeah. Tindles and um, red kitten spinach. Uh, mm. Red so, kitten. So, you know, you, you talk to Claudia, she's, she's got some great stuff out there. And I, she was talking, she's like, well, this is spicy. And you know, I love this and this kitten. I was like, oh my God, can we call this salad mix uh, cat pee? <laughs> she's what? Like, no. I was like, and... I need you to just generate this salad mix. And uh, so I needed, I needed some uh, this past week. So I think I just posted a, a picture of my Insta story and she put a label on it and it's called cat pee greens. Oh, then you get things like uh, toasted sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, chopped olives, and chopped hard boiled egg uh, that kind of garnish the salad. And then it's a uh, chimichurri vinaigrette, so it's very herbaceous, oh, okay. um, fat from the egg, salinity from the olives, good crunch. Um, but it's I just feel like it's this great story of my grandfather in a bowl of like, taking care of people. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the dishes that, you know, it, it's a salad, but as simple as salads are, they're easy to make terrible ones. So this was uh, important for me to kind of make, make a really good standard salad for us. I love how surprising that mm -hmm. is. Um, I have a little request because um, yeah. the picture is killing me. Um, I want the goat milk biscuits with the caviar country gravy. Was like, it was blowing my mind when I saw that picture and I was like, it's such a great idea. I wish I would have come up with that idea. I was like jealous of it. I just love the way it looked, you know, with the little black row in it. And like, I can imagine the salty profile and a little bit of umami in it. Um, I really want that. Yeah, that uh, that is definitely looking like something that has to go on the menu. So I, I did that for the Garagis pop-up, the uh, cast iron and wine. Um, you know, Kim's Kim grew up in the South in Louisiana. Um, I lived in North Carolina and Florida for a while. So I, I really have a, a big influence in my food from that region. And, um, you know, it's things like biscuits and gravy and smoked tasso ham. So we kind of put this together. And yeah, it was like this country gravy, but I was like, I want a little more like pop and salt to it. It was like, you know, caviar sounds awesome. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Hi, Roller. <laughs> yeah, it's just biscuits and gravy that we put on there. And we did it for the dinner and everybody was just like, oh my God, that's on the menu. And I was like, well, it wasn't, but you know, maybe we should really think about this. Um, you know, if somebody really feels like they want to order a $50 biscuits and gravy. <laughs> I mean, you just, I just gave them a reason to. Yeah, I love the yeah. of it. It's amazing. All right. All right. It, so, oh, go ahead. I said, you know, I think I started thinking, I was like, how do we make this one of those big, like, shocker things on the menu that's like, mm -hmm. how ridiculous can you get with biscuits and gravy? You know, yeah. it's got this tassel ham that we made ourselves and yeah. beautiful biscuits and then caviar is like, you know, put a truffle supplement on there. Let's yeah. add that on. Or you some fucking gold leaf or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Have <fun> with that. <laughs> All right. So every time we see photos of you, or at least almost every single time we see a photo of you, you're by fire. So we're just like wondering, do you have some sort of arsonist tendencies or is it just like a primal <laughs> thing? Like you fucking love fire. Um, you know, it, it was about... <sighs> I don't know. It was like six years ago now or something. Um, I hadn't really cooked with fire all that much. You know, it was, it was, you know, barbecuing at home and, and yeah. doing something for some parties, but not some real live fire cooking. And 
I was watching Netflix when it first, you know, when they first came out with uh, Chef's Table and they had mm-hmm. Francis Melman on there. Uh, I knew you were going to say Francis Melman, yeah. You know, and I, I'm honest enough about like that thing, you know, he seduced me. I was like, yeah. that, that's the guy I need to be. This guy on mm-hmm. an island drinking wine, cooking on fire. Um, and I think I watched that episode within three days. I watched it eight times at least. And it's yeah, uh, a good one. And I was working with, you know, Brian Howard and Brian went to really kind of emphasize on that. So we started doing a lot of things together. Um, and I loved it. I loved, it made me slow down because you have to be really attentive to the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, not only just how the product's cooking, but which way the wind's coming from, the heat outside, um, the wood. And, you know, there's all these things. So for somebody whose mind is very busy and there's a lot of, you know, conversation going on, it, it's great kind of to suck it all in. Uh, also, I, I just love being outside, you know. Um, yeah. I love at a house my mom lived at one time. She had a great yard. And, you know, the more meals I could sit out in the back patio and eat, I would. Um, I just loved, loved that. So the chance to cook outdoors and be out in that environment, um, just hooked me. And then, you know, now we get to a point now where I, I think my kids don't recognize me without the smell of smoke on me. Right. Um, <laughs> my wife definitely like, it's one of those things where it's like a long day at work where sometimes you're just so beat up after an event, uh, that I can't, I don't even have the strength to shower. I just get into bed and she rolls over and I think there's, a, a second where she's like, oh, geez. And then it's like, mm, you smell tasty, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> Cuddle, yeah. Cuddles into my smoky beard. And then, uh, you know, the next day we have to wash the sheets because they smell like a campfire. Yeah. Well, I mean, a smoky beard is better than like a freaking fish face because like Louis works in the seafood room at yeah. Meat. So mm-hmm. whenever she has somebody in her bed, they're not very happy with that. <laughs> Smoky's better. Yeah, Smoky's better. <laughs> like I walk through my door and I have like a, a little smoky, uh, one of those um, smoking guns. <laughs> Just a nasty oh, yeah, odor. Yeah, you do have that for your oysters. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, so speaking of, uh, we need some wood fire cooking and some freaking whiskey right now. Oh, so, yeah, dude. Um, we had heard some rumors about whiskey in the wilderness. Is it still going to happen? Is it going to be online? It, what, is what, it going to be virtual whiskey yeah. in the wilderness? What's or going on? Or is it on? not going to happen? Or well, tell, us, tell us the scoop. Now. We had a... We, you know, we had a lot of fears from people that whiskey in the wilderness wasn't going to happen. And this is before, you know, the pandemic hit. Um, and we were going to try and reassure everybody uh, that we were just, you know, with the restaurant supposed to be opening and, and timelines. We were just trying to figure out the date. Um, and then, you know, everything stopped. So the idea was to have it later in the year, um, which is still, you know, this, the idea to have it later in the year is still there but again we don't know what festivals are going to look like and what people are going to do luckily you know whiskey in the wilderness is kind of a, a social distancing event in its own you know we have people yeah. That yeah. Out. yeah we keep it to lower numbers um so we'll see where that happens but in the meantime as a as a way to kind of connect uh you know i wanted to try and do this idea of a virtual whiskey in the wilderness um where we could have some of the chefs that are still able to operate um, and do some curbside pickup, that they could mm. do some dishes inspired by Whiskey in the Wilderness. Um, cool. So we have some people like Mark Marone and Graffiti Bow, um, Brian. I mean, we still have a great lineup as right now, you know, we have some chefs, uh, 
making cocktails, some making food. Uh, so it's going to be a chance on Secret Burger that when people go, they'll find a tab that says Whiskey in the Wilderness, and they can see the chefs that are participating. Um, and we're trying to make them be on different nights. So say in one week, you know, you want to hit four different places, you can. Um, and then from there, you know, there's, there's always a charitable aspect to what we do. Um, so when people go on to buy the food, they'll see another um, a raffle ticket thing that they can buy for five bucks. Um, and that raffle ticket gives, puts you in a drawing to win tickets to Whiskey in the Wilderness in the future. Um, so it's a $5 raffle ticket. You know, all the money from the raffle tickets are going into a fund for charity. Um, Jared Misko, who does our painting every year for Whiskey in the Wilderness, uh, he's going to do another one for us. And we're going to have a raffle on Secret Burger for that as well. Um, and every time people buy a ticket, uh, all, of it, all of it keeps putting their name back in the hat to have more opportunities to win tickets. Um, but it also increases our ability to kind of put some money where we think it will best help. Um, and again, we always try and help local charities first. Um, so that's kind of the idea of it. And then we have a great bartender here in town, Sarah Gage. Um, she's actually going to host an Instagram live sessions mm. where you get a chance to talk to me and Leaf Flint, the co-creator, and then uh, all the chefs and people that are involved. We're going to bring them on for a little bit to kind of chat with them, have a fireside, you know, drink and, and bullshit back and forth. Very cool. Super. Yay. It's good to hear. All right, we're going to move on to our new segment, Show and Tell. Yeah. And are you going to set something on fire? Um, he had it sitting outside for, I think, the first three years I worked there. And I asked him about it, and he said, if you clean it up, you can keep it. Ooh. And this has been in my arsenal now for uh, 12 years. Um, and why, uh, you know, I'm sharing with you is, is funny. Um, so a few years ago, I filmed on Chopped for the Food Network. And in the interview process, you know, it, it wrote down what are some of my signature dishes? What am I known for? So I sent a text uh, to quite a few people because I don't cook the same thing twice a lot. Um, I don't really know what I'm that great at or what dishes stand out for people. So. I took a, took a survey of about five people, and of those five, four people wrote back to me, um, the pot. And I was like, what? They're like, the pot, that big copper pot of yours. And I was like, that's not a dish. And my buddy Leonard goes, yeah, but anything you make in that thing, it comes out awesome. He's like, so that's what I think about. Um, I've made, you know, friend Jolene, her birthday um, in January is the day before mine. So I made a, a gumbo brunch out of it. Uh, wow. My buddy Leonard's uh, wedding, the day after we had a brunch and uh, made cassoulet in it uh, mm -hmm. for a bunch of us. So this, this pot over the years has made its way around um, to many different fires, to many different houses, um, beautiful events like weddings, uh, ceremonies, um, backyard parties. So this is this is why it's so special to me. And uh, it, it's one of those pieces that you think about, like what's something like when my kids start cooking uh, that I can give to them. And this will yeah. definitely be, be in there. So I picture Kingsley or Mason definitely, uh, definitely doing some damage with it. 
That's yeah. amazing. Just what an amazing story. Pots. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm sure that everybody has, like, a favorite piece of cookware. Oh, but yours yeah. is like, whoa, dude. Yeah, that's... Well, what, what's funny is all the times cooking out of it, and I, uh, you know, my boss that gave it to me, I remember one day he was just like, yeah, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready? I'm going to go ahead and start. On the fly with Justin Kingsley Hall. Start the timer and... now. What's your quarantine comfort food? Oh, uh, Jesus. Um, raw meat. <laughs> yeah. I just raw meat. <laughs> meat tart, you know, meat tartars, fish tartars. Uh, yeah, I've had quite a few. <laughs> All right, cat or dog person? Dog, definitely. Oh, Halloween. Uh, best binge worthy show? Best binge worthy show. Um, He's going to say Tiger King, watch. <laughs> don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> Uh, crap. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I stick to the office. The office just oh, makes. Oh, the God, office is good. My husband. Uh. <laughs> All right. Dream place to travel and eat. Ooh. Um, Vietnam. I, I missed out on the trip this year. Oh yeah. Uh, favorite meat on the grill. Favorite meat on the grill. Uh, fish. First thing you'll do when the shutdown is over. Uh, I'm gonna hug some people. <laughs> Aww, with the mask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go ahead and finish, even though we heard the timer. So, childhood food craving. Childhood mm -hmm. food craving. Um, pilaf. Mm. It's random. <laughs> Rice pilaf. <laughs> Your favorite Corona Apocalypse beverage? Oh, uh, iced tea. Uh, what kind? I'm surprised you didn't say whiskey. <laughs> no, you know, I, it's weird because I'm actually probably healthier right now because I don't drink yeah. a lot at home yeah. uh, other than wine. And I've definitely, you know, when I drink the wine, I drink a bottle to myself. Um, but, you know, if you ever talk to my wife, she understands how hardcore I am about my unsweet iced tea. Um, <laughs> but I think yesterday I went through two gallons of iced tea that I made. <laughs> Do you put it out That's in the sun awesome. or anything, or yes. how does that, okay. Yeah, I got the jar so, out in the sun, just like grandma. <laughs> like how, how big of a jar are we talking about? Like a five gallon cardboard? Uh, that was probably like three gallons, like one of those three gallon like taps and everything. No. Right. I'm and, then, <laughs> and then it's just like a, a cold start, so you kind of like let the sun brew it. Yeah, it's that you know, Grandma used to always do the sun tea. They put the bags in, put it out there, and let yeah. it just warm. Um, I don't Respect. know if it's of like, you know, good juju coming from the sunbeams or whatever, but it just makes it better. <laughs> right. right. No, rest. Okay, cool. Uh, practicing any self-care right now? Self-care, uh, yeah. Um, a handful of things, uh, you know, in the yard with my kids, uh, you know, I, I try to do some lunges, some step-ups uh, there to just kind of, and we're out walking quite a bit. Um, and I'm trying to stretch and do a few things. Uh, I've got, you know, a handful of different um, health issues from over the years, so I'm trying to do my best about keeping those in control. Awesome. I know. What restaurant are you most excited to go back to? Oh man, that's like, which friends do I piss off? Right. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like... <laughs> um, you know, but say what's in your heart. Honestly, it, it, it's going to be D1. Um, 
district one is just uh yeah it, it's a place for us to kind of like come together like food's great it, it's awesome seeing mom and them, but it's like Super. you going in there you know you're gonna see a family of people yeah. uh, okay. and that's just that's just always been such a good place and you're gonna have some fernet bronco whether you like it or not yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're getting a makeover, so yeah, yeah it's gonna yeah. be super, gonna be super exciting. Yep. Um, we're gonna end with your go-to cooking or grilling soundtrack. Ooh, cooking or grilling soundtrack. Um, you know, I I play a lot of Gary Clark Jr. Um, it's got he's you know it's got a lot of good up tempo and then soothes it out so it's that you know fires roaring a good bit of like blues and rock and roll and then it kind of calms down in the evening you know you can dance to it so that's uh, oh. Gary Clark Jr. is the place to go. All right, well, awesome. Justin, we usually ask people to sell it at this point. This is your time. Go. Uh, I'm going to sell people on when we come out of this. Um, remember that. You need to appreciate the community a little bit more. Uh, there's some, been some beautiful things of watching people walk around and taking time for themselves. You spend time with loved ones. Um, invest in yourselves, in your self-care, in your personal health, and that it's okay to not work a ridiculous amount of hours. It's okay to take days off. It's okay to be sick. Uh, it's okay to want to spend time with people rather than be at work. So that's, that's what I want to sell, a healthier life for, for everybody. So slowing down for the slow mm-hmm. town boy. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, Jesse Kingsley Hall, thank you so much. We look forward to Main Street Provisions, of course. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> we look forward to Whiskey in the Wilderness, and we will hopefully see you in person at some time in the yep. very near future. I, I appreciate the time, everybody. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs, that's with a number two, on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week.